Dear friends, this evening we have a special treat. Bishop Andrew has agreed to come and be our preacher this evening. Welcome, Bishop. So delighted to have you with us. I'm just going to switch places with you. We'll do a little dance here. Thank you. I'll scoot Thank you. behind you. So, so Bishop, we're all out here uh, creatively responding to celebrating the nativity of our Lord in the midst of this pandemic season. And I'm I, very proud of you. I'm well, very proud well, of you. Thank you. Thank you. So, so Bishop and I were chatting before uh, the service began, and I was saying, Bishop, did you hear the big news from your homeland this, this morning? And he said, do you mean the one about the King's Singers? And I said, no, that one's better than mine. So what is this? This is really no, a fun well, thing. Obviously, Brexit, whatever. But, but, maybe possibly more interesting, uh, no, you know, that obviously the, there are carols uh, from King's College every year. Maybe you tune in or hear them on the radio. It's a big thing. The Lessons in, in Carols. Lessons in Carols, yeah. yeah, with the choristers and it's all. Well, this year, two of the adult choristers tested positive for COVID. So they had to pull all the adults out, leaving just the, the boy choir and, and helicopter in the King singers. Uh, <laughs> so, wow. it's, so it went ahead, but they literally had to bring in an emergency choir. That's amazing. I think that's good. That's, that's really good. fun. Very fun. Very plucky. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being with us, Bishop. Thank you. Thank you. It's so good to be here. It kind of looks like Charlie Brown as I'm looking out here. I don't know why you make me think of Charlie Brown, but it kind of, it does. I, you know, I came across this uh, website recently specifically designed for 2020, for Christmas 2020. And there were suggestions on how to write a Christmas card in a year where we may not be feeling too celebratory, okay? So the most, there's some terrible things, which I'm not even going to say out loud, but the most enthusiastic recommendation was this. May the Christmas season end the present year on a cheerful note. Ugh. That sounds quite English, doesn't it? <laughs> terrible. So let's not have any great expectations for Christmas 2020. Let's Let's just push past it. Let's keep the bar low on joy. You know, better maybe to relegate Christmas 2020 as a marginal footnote on what has been a horrendous year. And yet, when we read the gospel accounts of Jesus' birth, as we have heard as we've stood here in the snow this Christmas Eve, Christmas doesn't make any sense in a world where everybody's happy and everything is perfect. Surely Christmas was always about God stepping into the margins, into the chaos, into the mess, and actually doing something about it. And in just this way, we read, in that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Quick bit of history. During the time of the patriarchs, shepherding was a an esteemed and noble occupation, which is why we get lots of positive kind of biblical metaphors about shepherds. But then over the course of 400 years, when the Israelites are in captivity under um, their Egyptian captors, the Egyptians had a tremendous prejudice about shepherding. And the Israelites kind of cottoned onto that. They kind of became, they also became prejudiced. And the effect of 400 years of prejudice was to cast shepherds into a kind of underclass, pushed out into the margins of society. So when we, when we hear in that region and they were living in the field, it's because they had literally been pushed out onto the scrubland 
And they were living in a place where nobody else in Israel wanted to live. And reinforcing the prejudice, the Jewish oral law literally said, if you should ever find a shepherd who has fallen into a ditch, no one should feel under any obligation to help him out. It's true. Or to buy wool, milk, or a kid, that is a small sheep thing, not a child, from a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that, of course, that must be stolen property. So sheep herders came to socialize social isolation and desolation. They were a hopeless, marginalized underclass. And yet, into that place, at the margins, we read, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And what we discover in the account of the shepherds is that God joins us at the margins. He joins us at the margins, the very center of God's heart, his love, his mercy, his great plan for salvation met them exactly where they were, pushed out without hope and at the margins. He met them there. And we don't need to be first century shepherds living on the margins um, to to, to feel that. We, We know grief and anxiety and pain and disappointment and estrangement and sickness and exhaustion. And all of that, all of that can leave us feeling that we're living on the margins. This Christmas Eve, do you think that God could find you on the margins? The story of the incarnation would tell us that that is exactly the place where he is seeking you. So if Jesus is going to meet us this Christmas exactly where we are, how would we know we'd encountered Jesus? Well, briefly, the shepherds point us to three great promises and the first is all about his his presence we read and the glory of God shone around them this is the presence of the living God this is the fullness of God's presence his presence in this way has not been beheld in Israel for hundreds and hundreds of years but this night God is holding nothing back from them. This night, out on the scrubland, in the place that nobody else wanted to be, the shepherds' faces literally reflect the fullness of the glory of God. The night is thick with glorious harmony, rising up from a multitude of angels whose wings beat up the air as they declare God's presence over the shepherds. And in God's presence, there's this extraordinary invitation is issued. In all the lights and the glory, you might even miss it. But here's what the angels declare to the shepherds. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is not just a child sent from the Lord. This child is the Lord himself. And in the fullness of that revelation, consider where they found him. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Not a castle, not a palace, not even a house, not even a crib, but a stable wrapped in the cheapest cheapest of cloth and laid on an animal feeding trough. Not only has the Lord of heaven initiated and acted to rescue his people at the margins, He has so identified with their brokenness that he physically joins them at the margins. Of this child, it will be said, in him 
all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. All the fullness. The highest was made lowest. Deliberately joining us, identifying with us in the fullness of his presence at the margins. Here's the thing. The great Christmas myth is that our lives have to be all perfectly trimmed to fully enter into Christmas. And if you don't have it all together this Christmas, then you know what? You can sit this one out. Because maybe, maybe things will get better for you this time next year, and then you can hop back in again. How on earth did we ever come to that conclusion? The good news is that the person of Jesus, the fullness of the presence of God, comes to us at the margins. He chooses to enter the very broken parts of our lives. God's choice to bring good news to the shepherds reveals God's enduring heart to you. Here is his promise to meet you in the broken places, in the abandoned places, to meet you at the margins of despair and hopelessness and exhaustion and anxiety. Here is Jesus' promise to meet you this Christmas exactly, exactly in the places where you don't have it all together. Where there's pain, where there's loss, where there's brokenness, where there's grief, where there's disappointment, that is exactly where he comes to you very personally with very good news. And that good news begins with mercy. That's the second promise. The time of Jesus' birth, the shepherds are at the very bottom of the social uh, ladder. They basically have the same unenviable status as tax collectors and dung sweepers. But this is more than just an unjust social stigma because they have been judged by the religious leaders of the day to be the unforgivable ones, that their lives are so wretched that they can never be ceremonially clean. They are beyond God. They have placed themselves beyond the limits or possibility of restoration with God. Cast out on the margins, they have been shown and have come to believe that God hates them. And to these hopeless, estranged people, the angel says, I am bringing you, you who have believed that God could never accept you and never forgive you, you who have been taught that God hates you, you who have been in this wretched and lost place all of your lives with no run to rescue you, to you, good news for and great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Messiah, the Messiah, the Lord. You know, at one point in my life, when I heard the angel's song, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom his favour rests, I used to wonder, does that include me? Am I on that list? Am I in or out of God's favour? It was actually many years later that the Lord graciously made the connection for me. John reassures us for all, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. No matter who you are or what you've done, God's favour rests upon you. If you want it, there is mercy for you. There is rescue, there is restoration and there is redemption. You are not lost. You have not been overlooked. 
You have not exhausted his patience, his mercy, or his love. You have a savior in Jesus Christ. This Christmas Eve, receive his mercy. There is the promise of his presence. There is the promise of his mercy. And you know what? Finally, there is joy. There is joy. At the end of this extraordinary night, night, we read, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard as it had been told them. This tells us something about the joy that they'd received because they return to the fields. They make their way back to the margins. And in one sense, everything remains exactly the same. Herod still rules. The Romans still occupy and oppress. The shepherds remain a despised underclass. Yet they return to their place on the margins rejoicing and praising God because they've not just heard the news, they have literally knelt in the squalor of an animal shelter and heard the first whispered breaths of their saviour. To behold the presence of Jesus will always be to cause a movement in the soul that we call joy. It always will. We began singing these carols. I, as we began singing, you know, we're cold and, and I don't want to go on for too long and I know your feet hurt, and, but we're singing and tears started coming from my eyes. When Jesus is present, it will always bring a movement in our soul and we call that joy. It was the joy that made Zechariah and Mary sing. It was the joy that caused the infant in Elizabeth's womb to jump. It is the same joy that now overflows in the hearts of the shepherds and you can have that too. In his presence, you can have that too. The shepherds make it really clear that living on the margins, living on the margins does not preclude you from his joy. In fact, the joy of the Lord burns brighter here. Last thought. The first Christmas Eve was this unrestrained, glorious proclamation of the best news the world will ever have, that God loves you so much that he sent his son into the world to find you exactly where you are and to save you. This is the joy that Rome and myriad dynasties following since could not suppress. This is the joy that for 2,000 years simply refuses to be silenced. This is the joy that war and famine and cultural revolution and politics and pandemics cannot extinguish. The first Christmas Eve was never about shepherds receiving some lukewarm, socially repressed, cheerful note. 2,000 years later from the margins, we have a better word. We have a better word to live into. We have a better word to share with the world. And his name is Jesus. Emmanuel, our God is with us. Amen. What might our story be this Christmas Eve? Wherever the margins are in your life, expect to find him there. In spite of my grief, in spite of my fear, in spite of my shame, in spite of my disbelief, in spite of us, through the incarnation, through the cross, 
through the power of his living spirit, he meets us in the fullness of his love and mercy. In spite of us, we find ourselves living into and ministering his love and mercy at the margins. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Amen. 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 Let me pray for us now. Lord Jesus, you have the most remarkable way of finding us where our hearts are frozen. And Father, I pray, would you now, Father, direct your love, your presence to those parts of our hearts that feel distracted or way-laden or out of sorts or somehow unable to to turn and behold you. Lord Jesus, would you turn us around and draw us into your presence, the fullness of your presence. And in that place, Lord Jesus, will we know your mercy and your joy. Lord Jesus, I pray that your love would be reborn in our hearts this night. Lord, Lord, may Christmas 2020 be a Christmas that we never forget. For you found us in the snow and loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.